Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. All right, lean in, filled with faith, ready to go? Super. I don't love the book of Job. Is anyone, I don't know if anyone's with me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, when you read through the Bible, you're getting through and you're, you're flying along and you're going through and then you get to Job and you're like, is the Lord looking? Skip, 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 skip. You know, how do I get past it? Because you read it. Like it, it's not a very exciting book. I don't know about you. I, Shans is way better at pastoral conversations than I am. I hate drama. It's a book filled with drama. It's with a guy sitting in ash and can I say, it's filled with everyone having an opinion that's not right. <laughs> I mean, if this is an example of our world right now, a lot of drama, people are sitting in ash and a whole bunch of opinions that aren't right. <laughs> There's some good in here, uh, but it is a bit of a retelling of a story, not just an instruction on what to do. Uh, but we read through all this story, and, and I'm gonna preach a message today called Begin at the End. So if you're reading the book Bible in 90 days or you're reading the Bible this year, can I tell you how to read the book of Job? Go to the end. If you go to the end, you go to the beginning and then go to the end, it'll give you the ability to go to the middle. Let me preach to you today on Begin at the End. Let's go to the last part of Job. Job, uh, it says this, the Lord, read the yellow with me, or the red on the line, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 40,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. What are you going to do with 6,000 camels? Anyway, uh, 1,000 yoke of oxen. It's just, it's just showing off. Uh, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Generation, generation, generation again. And so Job died an old man and full of years. For 42 chapters, not little ones, not short chapters, for 42 very long chapters. You really read the start about how God blessed Job incredibly, doing very well, favored, prospered, all that you want. But then for a majority of this, it talks about the challenge, the loss, the financial bankruptcy, the grief, and then, and then the majority of it is a number of guys sitting in ash talking about philosophic philosophizing, that's how you say it, guys, about, about life and God and trouble and drama and difficulty. And, and, and they're talking about the, the pain they're going through and the experiences and what to do. And when you read what commentators say about this, this 42-chapter book is talking about less than a year of his life. The majority of the story we're reading is talking about the smallest portion of his life. And the story starts and the story ends, most importantly, with blessing, joy, and supernatural return for the rest of his life. So often, we spend so much of our time focusing on the smallest seasons of our life that we don't realize that if we could just see the ending, it would help us how to posture, how to think, how to speak, and how to walk through the middle part of our season. Begin at the end. Can I encourage you? Wherever you find yourself today, you can begin at the end. And what does the Bible tell me? When I look at the end of all of this, the Word promises that He will answer your prayers. I'll say it again, just gonna let a moment for everyone to wake up. The Bible says that he's gonna answer your prayers. 
He'll give wisdom. His love is everlasting and never changing. Nothing can separate us from His love. That joy is coming. That He'll deliver you from temptation. That He'll provide for your needs. That He'll be with us always. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. That He is our strength. That you'll be whole. That there is reward for those who endure. And there is eternal life. And when I go to the very last words in the whole Bible, when I begin at the end, Revelation 22 says, Surely I am coming soon. Oh, some of you are more excited about Nathan Finocchio about coming tonight <laughs> or about a new Marvel movie. They tell you, he is coming soon. He said again, he is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He says, I am coming soon. Amen. And then we respond with, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. When you begin at the end, when you get your eyes on the reward, when you get your eyes on what Jesus said he'll do, when you fix where he is right now, when you begin to remember that it is finished and he's making all things new and there'll be no more tears, no more death and no more suffering. When you get past the middle season, the in-between season, these short few years that seem to go for 42 long chapters, when you get your eyes off that and get your eyes on the promise at the end, when you begin at the end, you can walk through these days and know that God is good and He'll be good to you. He crowns the year with goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Father, I pray today you speak to every one of us. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit fill us, empower us and encourage us to walk forward into the good days ahead. We fix our eyes on the finished work of Jesus. We declare it is finished and it is done. We lift our spirit. We change our posture. We watch our words and declare it is good and it is good with me. And the church said it at every campus and every home in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's go. Now, if you know our family and some of you, so most would, but if you're visiting today or watching online somewhere in the world, I've got two boys. One's Jackson. He's nearly 11. The other's Jordan. Jordan's seven and a half. And allow me, if I will, just to show you how wonderful my boy Jordan is. Jackson's good too, but just go with me on this. How wonderful Jordan is. This is Jordan as a baby. Isn't he gorgeous? This is Jordan squished eating an ice cream. Loved it. This is Jordan having lost a teeth. Tooth. This is Jordan doing a silly little dance. This is Jordan looking pretty cool. This is Jordan on his first day of kindy. This is Jordan on his first day of school. This is Jordan having had his brother knocked out his tooth in the pool. This is Jordan with this animal I don't want to talk about, Buddy, hanging out there, best friends. This is Jordan last week for the first and last time we went fishing and caught nothing. This is my beautiful boy. He is kind-hearted. He writes songs about Jesus when he goes to bed. He wants to be an NBA player, a scientist, and an artist. We've got all three fields covered right there. He, he's, he's kind. He's, he says, when people say, what's your gift? My, one son says basketball. Jordan says kindness. He is lovely. He, in all of his school reports, he gets high effort. He is one of my two sons, and I am well pleased in him. 
Who would agree Jordan is a pretty wonderful child? To know Jordan is to love him. So now that you know the ending or where we're up to now, let me tell you about the beginning. Is we were pregnant with Jordan and, and, uh, um, and we, had a couple, we had a couple miscarriages along the way and, and went through that trauma and that difficulty of, you know, how's this going to happen? And we finally fall pregnant and, and a couple challenges in the pregnancy. And, and then the, the week comes for us to have Jordan and, and Shans twice goes into hospital with, you know, the, the fake contractions, and I just, you just want attention, and uh, it's called Braxton Hicks, apparently. Georgie knows all about this as she prepares on the front row. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so, but, uh, uh, and so on the day Jordan was to be born, no kid comes on the actual day they predicted they'd be born. So it's my brother's wedding that day. It's also the, the Soccer World Cup and the, the Socceroos are playing. So I wake up in the morning and say to Shans, I'm going to go to my brother's house. I'll see you at the wedding. And she's like, oh, I've got some cramps. And I'm like, you don't fake it. I'm going, right? And so I get in the car. I go first half. And Shans rings me and says, Josh, this is the one. I'm, the, the contractions are pretty close. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, all right? So I get in the car, and I do that drive. Every dad dreams about driving to, to, my, to a house to pick up Sean. I didn't speed, but I did that drive. There's a police officer in the room. And, uh, and as I got, uh, as you were, and, uh, and so and I pick up Sean's, and I race to hospital, and get near the women's and children's, and literally we're crossing the road, and Sean's is there like, Oh, no. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no. And so we get into an emergency birthing room, and, and, uh, and suddenly there's doctors and there's nurses coming. And I'm not going to go into the, the, what happened and what we saw, and because it, it's, it's not nice, you know. And it wasn't nice for Jordan. It was, it was pretty awful. And, and they found out that, you know, he had the cord wrapped around him three times and, and, and around his neck. And so they do an emergency, they get him out, and they get Jordan out, my little boy, and he's, and he's blue, and he's not bleeding, uh, sorry, he's not breathing, and uh, there's this thing called, I think it's the APGAR, and it's, you know, zero to 10, and further closer to 10, the healthier your child is, or more alive, I don't know, the, I'm not a nurse at the end, but he was at zero, and he didn't breathe for, I don't want to get it wrong, but it's like six to eight minutes, my boy didn't breathe, didn't move, was lifeless, laying on a table, no communication. Everyone's just working, doing their, what they can. I tell you, th those short moments felt like an eternity. Those short moments felt like our whole world was about to collapse in. Those short moments, we were in a panic. Those short moments, we were thinking irrational. Those short moments, there, if I can, there was nothing to say. We couldn't, we're pulling back, we're lost. If you were in that moment who came and showed me the photos of my boy now, we would have journeyed what was, without a question, uh, a scary, unusual, difficult moment. But if I could look at that boy fishing, not catching, but fishing, <laughs> we would have gone, it's okay. If you can begin at the end, you have the ability to walk through what you're walking through. And God in his goodness knew you would go through trouble. Jesus pro promised it, prophesied it. You're going to get trouble. Last few years has caused trouble. Life causes trouble. It comes, it happens. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the worst of us. It happens to all of us. And he was so kind that at the end of the book, he says this in Genesis, Revelation 21 verse 6, which is the end. It says this, I am the 
Alpha. Come on, say it with me. Something good. Power when you say the names of Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He's making a point. I am your beginning and your end. I am the promise giver and I am the promise keeper. I am the one that surrounds you. I'm the one that covers you. I'm the one that you can have hope with in the end. I, see, I hold the picture. I hold the answer. I know how this is going to turn out. I have the ability to see where you will be and therefore because I am, you can have trust in me. He's saying I'm completely in control. He's saying I have you literally surrounded so you can trust him. So because you can trust him, don't settle in this weird middle season. Because he's at your end, don't stay here in faith. Because he's waiting, because he's calling, because he's inviting, because he's preparing a place for you, a home for you, a healing for you, a breakthrough for you, a job for you, a person for you. Do not settle and just pull back, lounge back and lose faith or be led by fear in this season. He's got better for you on the other side. This last week, Shans and I went, went camping. We don't know why. We keep making this mistake, but we're trying to get better at it. I'm trying to be a, a man for my children. And, uh, and so we went fishing and camping. And, um, oh, man. Anyway, and, and, but I tell you, and we went there, and it was uncomfortable. <laughs> Camping's uncomfortable. I tell you, we didn't live there. We just stopped there for a moment. We didn't fix our eyes there. We didn't say we're going to get used to this. No, it was just for a short season. It's going to be so easy in these next days as we go into a third year of alerts and reports and media and, and, and restrictions and ISO and all masks and all those things. It's easy to go, well, I've been here. I'm just going to stop here and I'm just going to see it out. This is where we live now. Okay, I'm just going to get by. I'm just going to rest, sit in my rusty dusty. I'm going to wait this out. I'm going to see what happens. There's no point anyway. No, don't tell you this is not your home. This is not your destination. This is not the end of the story. This is just 42 chapters with a whole lot of opinions that don't carry much weight. But on the other side of this, there is one who is Omega that is waiting for you with promises, with hope and with healing. Don't settle here. Sometimes you've got to read the whole verse. So let me read Revelation 21 a bit more in its entirety, entirety, because you'd see what we've said in isolation, but now it needs to be said together. It says, then he who sat on the throne, who is who? Jesus. Come on. Who is who? Jesus said, Behold, stand in awe. Get your eyes off your trouble, your difficulty. Behold, stand in awe. I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. They are more true and faithful than the advertiser. They are more true and faithful than a Facebook alert. They are more true and faithful than a doctor's report. He says, I am the one that's making all things new. Now let me qualify it. I am the one that is saying it. He says, it is done. Where you stand is not what he, where he has, you don't stand in the finished work of Jesus. He has finished it and you are, he, his work is finished and you are walking into the finished work of Jesus. He's on the cross said, it is finished and now says, it is done. So you can posture yourself, walk, talk and think in the way of it is finished while you are on the journey to experience it in your life. He says, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I 
I am the beginning and the end. I was there before the trauma. I'll be there at the end with the healing. I was there before the lack, but I'll be here when the provision is given. I was there before you were alone, but I'll be there to be your comforter and friend. He says, don't run, don't quit, don't hide. He says, I am waiting, I am standing, I am your answer. I am making all things new. It is done. But then he gives us the way to get there. He says, I'll give freely the fountain of water of life. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. So what are you drinking at the moment? Water, very good, stay hydrated. But some of us are drinking of the news. Some of us are drinking of a neighbor's story. Some of us are drinking of fear. Some of us are drinking of anxiety and anxiousness. But he says, there's a woman in, in John chapter four who life had given her a hard blow and she'd done some things probably herself, but Jesus comes and she's in the heat of the day having to work to get water. And he says to this woman, those that come to me will never thirst again. Are you thirsty for the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you thirsty for the presence of Jesus? Are you thirsty for worship. Are you thirsty for the Word? I want to tell you, if you want to see the new thing, if you want to experience living water, you've got to be thirsty. And then he goes on and he says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. If you want the finished work of Jesus, you have to overcome. Be like, but if I want to overcome, how do I overcome? Well, again, he says in the next chapter, I think it's in Revelation chapter 22, no, is it chapter 12? Sorry, just, just four. He says, and he says, they overcame him. They overcame the enemy. They overcame his work. You can overcome the enemy. You can overcome his work by the blood of the lamb and the word. Everyone say word. Word, word of his testimony. Are you focusing on the finished work of Jesus and do your words reflect the finished work of Jesus? Because you can only inherit what Jesus has for you if you overcome by watching what comes out of your mouth, by watching the declaration that's in your home. Right now, I can ask for what you're saying, how you're worshiping, the word you're in. Are you overcoming for your family so your family can inherit what Jesus has? Are you overcoming for your kids or are you being overcome by what's happening in the world? You have to make a decision in this season, will I be overcome or will I overcome? Will I walk into inheritance or will I walk into today's temporal realities? Because those realities are not the Alpha and the Earth. Omega. There is only one that sits on the throne and you get to make a decision right now. If you know how it will end and you know my victory is in Christ, I will stand firm. Stand firm on the promises. Stand firm on the Word of God. Stand firm in His presence in Jesus' name. Come on. Keys can come. My, my pop, my grandpa, who's now with the Lord, had very hairy eyebrows. Like two koalas nestling just above his eyes. Had some hairy ears, hairy nostril. I'm like a hairy nose wombat. How many were looking at that thinking, Lord, let that not be me? As I've got towards 40, Shans has noticed my eyebrows now going a little bit out of control. Now that I was brushing my hair and Sean said, when you brush your hair, you should start brushing your eyebrows. I'm like, are you kidding? Are we there? So she gives me a little brush every morning. Skadoosh, skadoosh, skadoosh. 
Ta-da! But I was, I was at the hairdresser this week. Thanks for noticing. And, uh, and, and he gave, gave me a trim in the, and said, do you want me to trim your eyebrows while we're at it? <laughs> Some guy's landscape. I manscape. And I'm like, are you sure? It's a bit embarrassing. And he goes, it's pretty normal. Let me give him a little trim. So I'm sure when we talk in the foyer, he'll be trying to check out my eyebrows. <laughs> I say, I didn't do anything to let them get out of control. Just sometimes life happens. <laughs> and things get out of control. And he's got to trim them. He's got to cut back and have an awareness of it. Right now, there's just things that just because of life will just get out of control. And you can put your head in the sand and pretend it doesn't happen or you can take control. It is where it is right now. We're in a messy middle. Because say, people are facing things. But you know, the Bible talks about it from heaven's perspective. From heaven's perspective. Why? Have you ever had a pimple? Of course you have. Well, who's had a pimple? Let's have a moment of honesty. Everyone, right? Who's, one sec. Every campus, who's never had a pimple? Okay, this is, we are an honest church. And, and if you get it, and you're like, oh, not today. And, and you get to the mirror, and you get really close, and you're looking at that thing. It's like a planet, and, you, and, you're, and you're going, it's huge. Because you're looking at that thing so closely that it gets the wrong perspective. And you walk out, and you say to someone, I can't believe this. And I'm like, what? And you've got a pimple, and they're like, I can't even see it. Because you need someone from a different perspective to see it differently to how you're looking at it really close. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, which is before 2 Corinthians, which is where I'm reading, it says, for this light momentary affliction. Do you know the Bible calls it? Say this with me, light. It doesn't say it's not there, it says it's light. Someone say light. Momentary affliction. It's preparing us for an eternal weight. Now there's weight. Weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Where's your eyes looking? Stop looking at the zit. Stop looking at the trauma. The draw. The trauma. <laughs> the drama. The news. Look to the unseen. The things that are, the things that are seen are transient. They're gone. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Don't make long-term decisions based on your temporary emotions. You need to make them with the end in mind. Don't allow your words to talk more about what you are feeling right now in the temporary that is gone like a vapor instead of looking to eternal. Because there will come a day where we will realize that the stressful, worried hours we spent on the temporary things were a complete waste of time. C.S. Lewis says it this way, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. You might be thinking, Josh, well, it's not useless. Like, are you saying ignore everything that's going on around me? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying bring some balance to it. Bring order to it. You need to replace wasted, stressful, worrying, distracting thoughts that are temporary with peaceful, joyous, faith-filled thoughts on the eternal. This is why 2 Corinthians says we demolish arguments. You've got to get rid of the arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of who? 
of God, the knowledge that He is my answer and He is waiting with the answer for me right here. And He's walking and inviting me with my answers today. If I would take my eyes off my circumstances and fix my eyes on Him and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So I have sickness in my body, yes, but it's a temporary thing. Why? Because I know my healer, so I'm commanding it to submit to the ending where I am healed. And my marriage might be hard right now, so I'm not reacting to the emotion of today, but I'm looking to the ending and I'm acting accordingly where he'll make all things new. I don't know what I'm doing with my life right now. That might be true, but I'm not looking at today. I'm looking at my destiny and I'm stepping towards it. I may not have seen my prayers answered, but it's not over until I see the Alpha and the Omega make things new and declare it is done. So I'm going to keep on thanking and asking and declaring until I see my promises fulfilled. Do you know the early church? Why the early church did such awesome things is they were convinced Jesus was coming back in their time. Only later did they work out there might be a few years or centuries. So they never prayed, God, make life comfortable and easy. They prayed for boldness, authority and power because they had a conviction that the end of the story was where they were living their life. Jesus is coming soon. So what I face is momentary. What I face is just today. But there is a greater day that is coming and there is one that will appear upon the clouds and there will be a sound and all of a sudden the saints will rise. But between now and then, I am living like He is coming now. I am living in faith. I am declaring that the end is available to me here that I am whole, I am healed, I am restored, I am protected, I am new. The Bible is good, it shows both sides of Job, him discouraged, but then him switching over to faith. And it's okay for you to feel things. But don't finish there. This is the word for you today, don't stay in the ashes. It's paths drip with abundance. Paths talk about a journey to a destination not the ashes of what's done. Don't sit in the ashes, but instead be like Job that says, my Redeemer lives. I know God didn't bring me this far to leave me. You need to begin at the end. You need to get a revelation of what He's gonna do. You need to go to the Holy Spirit and say, how are you gonna move? You need to get a conviction of what God's gonna do in your life. Don't stay there. Do you know what, a, what this does to the enemy? When a church, when an individual, when you and your family, for you as a parent, do you know what it does to the enemy when he gives you his best shot and you don't start complaining, you don't stay in the ashes, but you start declaring, it's gonna turn around soon. My healing's coming soon. I'm gonna meet someone soon. My business is going to take off soon. That opportunity is coming soon. If you read the book wrong, you will think it's all struggle and opinion and drama and turmoil. But when you begin at the end, you see it's a story of restoration. It's a story of blessing. It's a story of healing. It's a story of provision. It's a story of one that makes all things new. But we so often give the smallest attention to the part that carries the most weight. Even Jesus had to walk through this with this posture. Hebrews tells me, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus began at the end. For the joy set before him, he was able to endure what he had to endure for you and me. Begin at the end. And joy will come. 
and faith will come and thirst will come and overcoming will come. And Revelations reminds us that he who sat on the throne says, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these words for they are true and faithful. And he said to me, come on, it is done. In every campus, in every home, say it with me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.